Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trade in the Stock Market, and today we're going to talk about the stock market crash of 2022. With the S&P 500 being down 16%, the NASDAQ being down 25%, and the Russell being down 21%, I felt like it was important to deviate from the episodes that come from you with a typical email asking questions and me answering them, and instead speaking heart-to-heart with you guys about what's really on your mind, and that is how to survive a stock market crash. And we're in bear market territory now in the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000. The S&P 500 is not too far behind it. And for those who need a refresher, remember, 5% is about a pullback, 10% is a correction. 20% or more, you're talking about a bear market. Now, before I get into all of the material that I have for today, what am I drinking? Well, I'm drinking one of my good old old fashions and if you've been listening to me for any amount of time you know that I love my old fashions and I hold them in very high regard but this time around I am using old granddad 114 for this old fashion so it's a pretty strong old fashion now if you remember I don't make old fashions with less than 100 proof this one's 114 proof which makes it about 57% alcohol now it comes across as really good I mean, it is a really, really tasty old-fashioned. And for those who don't know how I make my old-fashioned, I use six of those angeristic bitters. I think that's what it's called, angeristic bitters. I'm not sure if I'm even saying that right, but that's what I use. Two dashes of orange bitters, three-eighths of an ounce of simple syrup, plus two ounces of my bourbon of choice. Usually, it's like a Knob Creek nine-year. That's what it was for most of the time anyways. And now, I've because I can't hardly find it anywhere, or at least the big handle of it, I've moved to the Evans Bottled and Bond, which is just as good. Really, really solid bourbon for the old-fashioned only. But this time around, I'm using Old Granddad. And it comes across super, super strong. Like, If you can't handle like the 100 proof, you're definitely not going to be able to handle the 114 proof. I like it, but it's not something that I would drink a couple of because it'll leave you three sheets to the wind. So, scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give it like a 9.4. And again... 
I don't go very low on my old fashions. Most of those bourbons that come in really hot will usually perform very well with my old fashions. Now, old granddad as a standalone is like a 4.3. I did this one a long time ago, almost like a hundred episodes ago. 4.3, not big on it as a standalone, but in my old fashioned, it works. So old granddad, old fashioned, 9.4. Okay. So about the stock market. Why do I want to talk about this in a podcast episode? Because usually most of my episodes are evergreen, right? And when I say evergreen, it means 10 years from now, you'll be able to go back and listen to these and they will be relevant to the time that you're trading in. But if it's a stock market crash, it's not really relevant except for the time period in which we're trading it. Not so, because oftentimes we want to go back in times like, what was it like trading during the Great Recession of 2008. What was it like trading through the dot-com bubble of 2000? Unfortunately, nobody was really talking about those and recording their thoughts on it, like what I'm doing right now with this podcast. So I want to be able to go back in time, not only for your benefit, but for my benefit too, and be able to say, okay, this is what it was like. This, is, In my own words, this is what it was like trading the stock market crash in 2022. So it provides a historical reference. And two, it's going to help guide you as a trader and help give me a little bit of guidance in the future too when I likely need it during a market downturn down the road. And like I said, it's what people want the most. They want to hear from someone who knows what it's like to trade through a recession, not just the one here in 2022, but I've gone through the 2020 sell-off. I've gone through the 2018 sell-off. I've gone through the 2008 and I've gone through the 2000. I've gone through the European financial crisis of what, 2011 that was? I've gone through a lot and I want to provide an unfiltered voice, something that you're not going to find on CNBC or Fox Business or some of these other channels where they just put a whole bunch of blowhards up there and they just are either pumping their own portfolios or they're just you know pumping a stock that they want you to buy. I'm here to provide a voice of reason and to give you my thoughts and my analysis on what it's like to trade during these times and how you can best approach this market during some of the most stressful times of trading that you'll ever experience. And most of the sources out there, too, that you may have gone to over the last 13 years or, you know, over the last couple of years when trading became commission free, they're not good sources. A lot of these people, they pump stocks. They're trying to dump their shares on you and you don't even realize it. Their success is derived from 13 years of relatively calm markets. I mean, 2018, it lasted a couple months. It sold off in October, rallied in November, sold off in December. Then it found its bottom and rallied in January and thereafter. 2020, that sell-off lasted like a solid, what, three, four weeks? While the sell-off was pretty significant, it didn't last. As soon as it was over, it was almost right back up at all-time highs. So most people have not traded through one of these incredible periods of time. And I'm approaching my 250th episode, and I would reckon to say that almost every episode I've ever done, I've mentioned risk management managing the risk on every trade. And why do I say that? It's because of times like right now. These are the times where being steadfast in your risk management pays huge, huge dividends. I've mentioned a few times now that my first trade of the year was PayPal. I got out for like a 3 or 4% loss. It wasn't that big of a deal. But had I not used risk management, oh, it would have been a big deal. I'd be down over, what, 50%. This is the times that Risk management pays off the most. A lot of people have found forgiveness from the stock market, particularly over the last two years leading into 2022, where if they didn't use a stop loss, they got away with it. But are they getting away with it now? 
No. They're seeing their original capital erode away. They're seeing all the profits that they spent the last two years recklessly accruing go by the wayside. And now what a lot of people are going to do is they're going to try and find the bottom. They're going to say, man, the market has to bottom here. I've got to make sure I bottom tick this market. I don't want to let it get away from me because I'll miss the boat and it'll sail away without me. No. Bottom ticking the market is one of the worst things that you can do in this trading environment. Because you will attempt multiple times to get it right. And if you happen to bottom tick the market, it wasn't out of skill. It was out of luck. Let me tell you, if I go out there tomorrow trying to find the bottom of this market, and let's say I get it right, it wasn't because of skill. It wasn't even because I have 30 years of trading experience. Not at all. It would be because of luck. Because nobody can time that market perfectly. You go after the meat and potatoes of a trade. You try to stay away from the appetizer and the dessert. You want that middle portion of a rally. You don't care about getting in at the bottom and you don't care about getting out at the top. You just want that middle section where you get some of the nicest chunks of that rally. But with meme stocks, so many people have taken on the mindset that their trades and their investments should go up like a hundredfold. You got this crazy phenomenon with like GameStop back in January of 2021 where it went from like, you know, the teens all the way up to 480 something dollars a share. And now all these people are thinking, oh, this is going to be the next GameStop. Oh, this is going to be the next AMC. And they're left sorely disappointed. And now they're getting margin called. They're just getting completely destroyed. Believe it or not, I did a video when the GameStop announced their stupid stock split about a month or so ago, maybe. I said, hey, I would not be buying this sucker at the highs. That was my personal opinion. I was like, guys, this is why I wouldn't be buying it. I got more dislikes on that video than all of my videos I've ever done on YouTube combined. I have never seen such a cult following over such a stupid stock. And you want to know what's happened since I did that video? It's dropped 50%. It basically gave you a stock split without the extra shares. And most of the traders that are trading GameStop, they're completely incompetent. They're trying to tell me that it's not a stock split, that it's a stock split dividend. Like they're getting extra shares as a dividend at no cost to them. Even if it's your traditional dividend, let's say stock ABC trades at $100 and they issue a dollar dividend. Guess what? That comes out of the stock price. So when they say they're issuing a stock split as a dividend, all they're doing is cutting the price in half or whatever they're going to split it by and then times it by that many shares. It's no different. It's just another stock split. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. But I don't want to get too sidetracked about game stuff and everything. I just had to say that. But going back to the whole trying to find the bottom in the stock market, Most of your intraday rallies will suck in a lot of traders. They'll see these massive reversals. Like, for instance, today, and it doesn't even matter what day I'm talking about, but when you're having these sell-offs, you'll see multiple attempts at an intraday reversal. Most of them will fail. I saw two of them of about, what, 50 points today alone, and both of them failed, closed at the lows of the day. But it'll suck in a lot of traders, thinking, this is it. I'm going long UPRO, which is like a bullish 3-to-1 leverage DTF on the S&P 500, or I'm going TQQQ, which is a three to one of the NASDAQ or TNA, which is three to one of 
the Russell 2000. And then within 5, 10, 15 minutes, they're already stopped out. If they're using risk management, most of them don't. So then they're just bleeding even more money. Intraday reversals, I wouldn't even try to bother trying to find the intraday reversals because most of them are head fakes. And if you get it right, you just got lucky. And I don't aim to be lucky in the market, though it's nice when it happens. I aim to make good trading decisions. And trying to time every one of these intraday reversals doesn't work. Trust me, I know. There was a time where I could get sucked into every one of those intraday reversals. And most of the time, actually every time, I was wrong. And oftentimes when you are ultimately right, you don't hardly have any capital left to work with in order to profit off of being right. So when it comes to playing counter rallies or even when the market eventually does bottom, give it some time. Let's see if it can put in a nice solid green day with some follow through. Maybe then you can start considering some long positions. And if it's wrong, then you have a stop loss that will take you out of the trade. But let it start to develop on the daily chart as well. And remember this, going back to the whole GameStop phenomenon where we think that everything's supposed to go up by 100x or go to the moon and colonize Mars. Look for rallies to be eventually sold. So in order to, to profit from that kind of a scenario, you've got to be aggressive on the profit taking. Start taking a third or a half off the table after you're up 2 or 3% on the bounce. And then look to start taking more gains off the table as it goes up to 4 or 5%. But you have to be aggressive on the profit taking. You're not trying to change your life with one single trade. And so many people are trying to do that out there. And all they're doing is just blowing up their account. No, counter rallies in a bear market, they're very ferocious, they're very fast, and they can offer some really nice returns. But take the profits aggressively. Don't try to ride that hand for too long. And remember what we said, don't fight the Fed? Back when the market's been rallying for the last 13 years, pretty much? Oh, don't fight the Fed. You know, the Fed's been very dovish. They have interest rates at 0%. They're doing quantitative easing. Why would you short the market? Don't fight the Fed. Well, it goes both ways. Don't fight the Fed on the downside either when they're hiking the rates and they're doing quantitative tapering or quantitative tightening, whatever you want to call it. Look, the Fed has created perhaps the biggest bubble that we'll ever see in our lifetime. And for years, they've been getting away with kicking the can down the road. Oh, the market drops 15, 20%. We can reverse interest rate policy and start cutting rates again. That's what they did in 2018. 2020, the market sells off because the whole economy shuts down. What did they do? They swooped in like the hero and the most completely unnecessary fashion, and they do another emergency rate cut, they increase the money supply, and they kick the can down the road again. That's all they do. But guess what? Now we have inflation. So you kick the can down the road again, you lighten up on the interest rate hikes, inflation takes off again. And if it takes off again, it makes the rate hikes that they've already done pretty much null and void, pointless, meaningless, just unnecessary harm to the consumer that had to endure it and makes living paycheck to paycheck and off of people's income that much harder because you never defeated the inflation. So they have to defeat the inflation. They have to bring it back down. And the only way they can do it is reducing their balance sheet, raising interest rates. They got to do that kind of stuff. Get rid of some of the money out of the system. And that all goes back to don't fight the Fed. And now on a day-to-day basis, we're seeing a lot of panic selling. You're seeing less and less willingness to buy the dip. Remember in the beginning of the sell-off, going back to January and February, you saw so many attempts to buy the dip. March 14th had an incredible rally off the lows. But now you're seeing the dip buyers throwing in the towel. They're just not buying it. Traders are scared, and they should be. I take the risk-reward very, very serious in a time like this. 
I haven't even made a single trade yet and made. Do I think I'll go the whole month without making a trade? No. I think I'll make a trade sooner rather than later. But I had a trade last week that would have turned out to be incredibly profitable had I gotten into it. But at the time, the market got down incredibly, like over 2.5%. It wasn't worth it for me to get in from a risk-reward standpoint, so I held off on the trade. Do I wish I would have gotten into the trade? From a greedy standpoint, yes. But from a disciplined standpoint, no. I made the right decision. You have to respect this market, whether you're shorting the market or whether you're going long. Traders are scared of this market, and they should be. It's a really crazy time for trading. Yes, you can still be profitable, but one of the best things as traders we can do is reduce the number of positions that we're trading, maybe even reduce the position sizes. Most of the time for me, I'm trading like one or two positions max. I've gotten up to four during this whole sell-off this year. That's the most that I've held at any one time. But I'm guarding myself against unnecessary risk. The volatility is so extreme. You're seeing 100-point moves almost on a daily basis now with the S&P 500. I don't need eight or nine positions in order to be profitable in this market. I can be profitable and very profitable with just one or two positions. So the takeaway here, this is why risk management matters. This is why using stop losses matter. This is why planning out your trade before you ever get into the trade, where you're going to get out if the stock does not work in your favor before you ever get in. Why these things matter is because of the here and now, what you're seeing. People are blowing up accounts. People are not containing the risk in their portfolio, and it's destroying lies. It's destroying retirement. It's destroying dreams. Also, don't try to find the bottom in a market. What you should try to find is swingtradingthestockmarket.com, which has some of the best stock market research out there on the web for you to enjoy. Okay, now that I got that out of the way, the last couple of points, don't fight the Fed. We talked about it on the way up. We're going to talk about it on the way down. And finally, yes, there's panic out there. Yes, there's panic out there. People are losing their shirts in this market. Manage the risks so you don't have to be one of them. If you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to Leave me a five-star review and keep sending me your questions at ryan at shareplanner.com. I promise I'm going to finish part two of my podcast from last week with this upcoming episode. So be on the lookout for that. Plus, check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com and support this podcast in the process. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.